Mr. Gonzalez. So go ahead. I'm on scene at 108 South 17. We've got uh, light smoke showing from a single-story commercial building. Working fire, make it a regular alarm. Engine one upon arrival. Let's uh, let's see if we can get in. Let's see if there's an FDC in the back before we do anything here. I'll be establishing 17th Street uh, Command. Regular alarm at 108 Hey there, folks. Welcome back to Justifiably Proud Productions. I'm your humble host, Jim Farrell, and I'm excited to be with everybody today, as usual. I usually don't come on the show when I'm not excited. Um, <clears throat> I know it's been a while since we visited. I appreciate all the feedback, comments, and uh, emails and texts I've been getting about the show. Uh, just been tied up with finals the last week, and then um, I've been traveling. I was in Indianapolis for the FDIC, and I was up in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin last week with some customers. Um, I've been, uh, I've been busy. I mean, pull, pull whatever excuse you want, but I think I have a really great show lined up today and, uh, I hope it brings some joy to everybody's uh, life going into the, uh, Memorial Day holiday. As usual with me is Dolly. Dolly's going to be joining us today and, uh, she's been really glad and happy that, uh, <clears throat> We finally gave her a bath the other day. We sent her to a place to get a nice bath, and she appreciated it. Right? You appreciated the bath? Yeah. All right. Good girl. So, Dally likes to travel with us from time to time, and um, recently, well, not recently, back in October, I guess it was, we went we went to a place at the beach, and um, she travels with us quite a bit, but unfortunately, a lot of the hotels don't allow pets in the hotel unless it's a service animal so i'm going to put on uh, twitter a little picture i ended up going out and buying a, um, a vest for her that has the american red cross logo on it and we we put that on her and uh, she can pretty much go to any hotel we want to and we haven't been challenged yet so um we we really uh, she's a big part of our family and a big part of hopefully becomes a big part of this show so today's episode is, uh, we're going to talk about Backdraft, the movie Backdraft, to look back 30 years later. Uh, before we begin that, though, we're going to do What's the Word? Give me a, what's the word? What's the word, man? So today's What's the Word? I'm going to go ahead and share a little story of an experience that I had. Uh, it happens to do with our, our part of our show today. Uh, back when the show came out in 1991, we went to... Um, a friend of mine uh, and I went to Mid-Rivers Mall, I believe it was, the theater in Mid-Rivers Mall to see the movie. I don't think we went to see it the day it was released, whatever, the following weekend or whatever is when we went to see it. And um, the the interesting thing about that, that uh, leaving the, the movies was that we were traveling. This was in uh, St. Peter's, Missouri, and um, 
we were traveling back down Jungerman Road. I've put a picture up on Twitter as well to, to show the, the gentle intersection. But we're traveling um, at a relatively high rate of speed. I guess it would be east on Jungerman Road. And um, we passed a St. Peter's cop, police officer. And uh, I turned around and I saw that he was turning around. And I told my buddy, I said, hey, he's coming. And so we pulled into uh, Country Creek Drive. And uh, I assumed we were going to stop and wait for the officer to come talk to us about how fast we were traveling. But uh, my buddy felt like, uh, no, we're going to we're going to see if we can get out of this one. So <clears throat> we're traveling through the neighborhood and um, we're trying to find our way out of this neighborhood. And we pulled up to these kids, must have been like three or four of them, and they were just covered in mud like they had been playing in the creek or something. They were just covered in mud and i rolled down the window i'm like i rolled down the window right it tells you how old i was um <clears throat> rolled down the window and um said hey do y'all know how to get out of this neighborhood and they're like uh yeah you go down here make a right make another left make a right whatever so we're making our way out that way turn the corner and uh there's that saint peter's cop and he pulls up behind us and pulls us over and uh we were both we were both junior firefighters in our in our department and um he had a, a wallet badge and the cop says oh you're a you're a firefighter with so and so and he's like yeah yes sir and he's like you weren't trying to run for me and my buddy's like no no um i didn't see you and uh he's like okay well i'm going to let you go this time but next time i'm going to jam your ass that's exactly what he said and that's one of the most memorable things i have about about the movie backdraft um it was just just uh, kids being kids, you know. But um, that concludes what's the word. Just wanted to share a little funny story about uh, you know being a teenager and and uh, having some fun. That concludes on May twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one, in the United States. the The budget for the uh, movie was, according to the website, the budget was. $40 million budget, $40 million budget, but the box office grossed $152.4 million. It was released by Universal Pictures. Um, it received three Oscar nominations. And according to an article that I found from, let's see here. Before we get into the whole deal about the, the movie, <clears throat> according to the uh, article I found that was written... By the Chicago Sun-Times, Mr. Frank Main, the Chicago Sun-Times, back on March 8, 2011. Um, it says, Firefighter who helped inspire a backdraft movie remembered. Raymond Hoff was a 32-year veteran, 30, veteran of the Chicago Fire Department. Chicago, R Raymond Hoff was a tough, daring firefighter, the kind you see in the movies. But on their, on their websites, fire organizations across the country also were remembering Mr. Hoff as one of the nation's best teachers in the art of battling blazes. Mr. Hoff, 69, a retired Chicago Fire Department battalion chief, died Tuesday of unexpected medical complications. We'll never know how many lives he saved by the training he did, said his brother uh, Robert Hoff, Chicago's highly decorated fire commissioner. And again, this was back in, in uh, 2011, March 18, 2011. Uh, after Mr. Hoff was a 32-year veteran in the Chicago Fire Department, after he retired in 1997, he moved to Tapanabi, Michigan, uh, where he was the chief of the volunteer fire department. 
He also taught at the Fire Service Institute at the University of Illinois. Mr. Hoff was a third-generation Chicago firefighter. His grandfather, Joseph Hoff, retired as a captain in 1936. His father, Thomas Hoff, was a battalion chief who was killed while fighting a blaze in a Southside apartment building in 1962. Four years later, Mr. Hoff took the oath to become a firefighter. I always wanted to be a firefighter and follow in my dad's footsteps, he told a reporter back then. Robert Hoff said their mother died when he was young and he lived with his older brother. I was 14, Robert Hoff said. Every weekend he took me to work with him. He showed me everything. The movie Backdraft was based loosely on the Hoff brothers. Ray Hoff spent most of his career working out of the station at 46th and Cottage Grove. Later, he was a captain on Truck Company 10, which operated out of the station at Division and Larrabee near Cabrini Green. He was honored by the city for crawling through smoke to rescue two children in an apartment fire a block from the station in May of 1993. Two months earlier, on March 16, 1993, he was the first truck company officer to respond to the Paxton Hotel fire that killed at least 20 people and left dozens injured. Chicago Fire Lieutenant Steve Dodovich was Mr. Hoff's driver when they rolled up to the burning hotel. It was bedlam, Dodovich said. There were people in every window ready to jump. Ray calmly ran the show for the first 10 minutes, positioning people and getting ladders up. Everyone who was in a window got out. Dodovich said he believes they saved at least 25 people because of Mr. Hoff's quick thinking. Throughout his career, Mr. Hoff took young firefighters under his wing, his brother said, adding he had a lot of father figure in him. After Robert Hoff became fire commissioner, his older brother often called him 2-1-little-brother, proudly referring to the fire department's radio code for the commissioner 213. And so according, according to a couple different things, I, I remember there was a book about backdraft that was written. I don't remember who the author was, um, but uh, I do remember them discussing about how this movie was based on uh, true stories. Um, and I remember, I don't know what show it was, but there was just a lot of hoopla about, about the movie. Um, a lot of good stuff, a lot of interviews, a lot of the, the stars in the movie were interviewed. A lot of the firefighters from Chicago Fire Department were interviewed. I want to think it was an Oprah show, one of her episodes. Um, it was a daytime show, but there was a lot of, a lot of interviewing, a lot of, a lot of interviewing and a lot of, uh, a lot of publicity about this uh, film. So again, released May 24th, 1991, the box office gross was $152.4 million, three Oscar nominations, um, the cast and crew this was a Ron Howard film cast of course Kurt Russell uh, William Baldwin, Robert De Niro, Donald Sutherland, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Scott Glenn, Rebecca De Mornay, Jason Gedrick, J.T. Walsh, Jack McGee, Clint Howard, David Crosby. Um, a lot of there was a lot of big names in this movie, and again, it was it was uh, produced by Ron Howard, and um, according to according to Wikipedia, it says that. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Brad Pitt, and Keanu Reeves auditioned for the role of Brian McCaffrey. So, um, 
you know, my favorite character, of course, uh, would be Kurt Russell um, playing Stephen McCaffrey. And, um, you know, out of all the characters that Kurt Russell's ever played, I mean, I was a fan of his before this movie ever came out. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about Dean Prophet, Rudy Russo from Used Cars. Used Cars was one of my favorite movies growing up when I was a kid. And then, of course, Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China. But um, when Kurt Russell played the uh, company officer of Stephen McCaffrey, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think everybody aspires to be a company officer like that. Um, he was courageous. Uh, he was political. He was willing to stand up for, for what was right. And, of course, he cared about his crew. Um, I think... I've had one officer that I worked for throughout my career uh, that that exhibited these types of uh, leadership attributes. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, who wouldn't want to be a company officer like that? Although he had struggles with his personal life in the movie and things like that. Um, I mean, that's what every firefighter aspires to be, uh, a knock down your door and uh, take care of business type of uh, firefighter. And then looking at the film further, you look at the investigator who's played by Robert De Niro, you know, and, and it's interesting how, um, when you first get introduced to, uh, Don Rimgale, who's played by Robert De Niro, you know, he, it's your typical fire investigator, doesn't want to share any knowledge, you know, doesn't want to, he's disappointed that somebody got assigned to him that, uh, he doesn't want. And then of course the person assigned to him doesn't want to be in the fire marshal's office, um, but a typical fire investigator, obviously very knowledgeable, keeps to himself, also uh, exhibits uh, courageousness against uh, politics, and um, he doesn't want to share his info. You know, it, it, when it, coming up through the ranks as a young firefighter, you know, I always had questions for the fire investigators and inspectors, and it always seemed like it was uh, it was top secret information. You know, and then and then you go you grow up and you get certified and you start taking additional classes and get other certifications and you realize that fire investigation is basically the the foundation of it is the scientific process which is what you learn uh, typically coming up through uh, grade school or high school there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of craziness to it um or there's not a lot of um don't get me wrong it's 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 very um It's a very important job. It does take a lot of knowledge. However, um, it's it's another job in the fire service. I mean, if you're good at operating the trunk company, you can become a good fire investigator too. And that that's just my opinion. But um, you know, when I was when I started in the fire service, I've mentioned this before. That was that it was instilled in us that our job was to put ourselves out of business. You know. And so when you're looking at when you're looking at this, uh, Brian McCaffrey can't really seem to make it on the trucks, so they assign him to the fire marshal's office because the investigator needs some help. And it's just typical of the fire service that, you know, fire inspectors and investigators aren't on the front page of the newspaper after a fire, you know. But it's it's the most important job in the fire service. Um, so typically it's it's. It's been my experience, and from what I've seen, it's been somewhat of a undesired, a less desired position within the fire service. And this this movie kind of demonstrates that that 
young firefighter wants to, you know, he's green, but he wants to get his feet wet and he ends up going over to the fire marshal's office and then Rimgale doesn't want to share any knowledge with him, you know, and then finally they, they break bonds and they learn about each other and, and they become pretty tight. So looking back at some of the changes in the fire service, just from that movie, right? It was 30 years ago and it's like, wow, where's the time gone? Um, the changes just, if you watch, I haven't watched the film in a while, but looking at some of the, the images I've seen on the, on the internet, just reviewing this, this content, um, the gear that they're wearing, the protective clothing they're wearing is totally different than what we wear today. Um, obviously building advancements. If you're, if you're like my community, um, you've had a lot of new construction with new technologies in those buildings. So, you know, I remember coming in the fire service here in my current town and, and there would be, there would typically be a working fire every, every month, um, for at least one of our shifts, I would say, and with the new construction and, and, you know, revitalizations of communities that we've seen a lot of fires go down or perhaps that, uh, fire marshal's office is doing a really good job of promoting public safety and, uh, and uh, preventing fires. Um, the air packs they're wearing, you know, that it's obvious. You look at the air pack that they're they're wearing in the movie, and then you look at what we wear nowadays. The technology is totally changed. Many NFPA uh, changes have happened when it comes to to firefighting tools and equipment. And then, of course, uh, overall technology. I mean. They're in there searching for fires, and now we have thermal imagers that help us do that. You know, look at all the stuff that's changed. The other thing that's changed is, of course, since since 1991, there's been a terroristic attack on our uh, on our country with with uh, September 11th. <clears throat> we've had mass shootings. Uh, we've had hazmat large hazmat incidents. Um, to some extent, the fire service has gone from um, to at some instances. The fire service has gone from, you know, being the guys that everybody wants to come and, and hug when you arrive on scene. There's there's calls we go to sometimes where people don't necessarily want us there. Um, if you respond to a call where there's drugs involved or anything like that, uh, weapons, um, we may not be seen as, you know, you think when people call 911 for the fire department, they want them to show up. But consider that Consider that I've been to I've been to a, a building fire before where the neighbor called nine one one. So when we got to the building and it was on fire, the owner didn't want us going into his in his home and uh, stopped us at the door. So we're not always the ones that people are welcoming with open arms, and that's been identified in the sixteen life safety initiatives that, um, you know things things have changed. But now taking a deeper dive into this movie, what has not changed. So this movie was was talked about in the very beginning when you're watching the film they're they're upset because of staffing shortages they've closed station down stations down um, I've seen the extended version of this movie where they they've obviously lost a couple friends to a fire that I think was cut from the final version of the movie but um, so they're 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 the firefighters are are coming to the conclusion that because stations are being shut down people are dying people are getting hurt you know and staffing's always been a tough tough challenge whether you're a career or volunteer of course you know you may not you may not have the personnel that you feel like you need for every incident so staffing challenges continues here 30 years later um, political as uh, atmospheres both good and bad 
uh, typically haven't changed. I mean, it's no no secret that the fire service typically doesn't bring any income or revenue into a city, and um, we we you know we're 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 a drain on our communities to some extent when it comes to the financial aspect of it. Um, the lack of the the lack of desire to be in the fire marshal's office. Um, I know it's not that way everywhere, but I've seen it many times where people. Uh, they may mention that they want to go to the fire fire marshal's office, but typically it wants to be uh, later in their career. And also, continue to see fire marshals having to retrain people because it becomes a revolving door. And um, you know, you have new officers coming up, and the, the minute an opening happens on the truck, they want to go back out to the truck. So the lack of desire to be in the fire marshal's office hasn't changed. Um, the culture hasn't changed. You know, we, we still want to be aggressive. That's another, that's another, uh, life safety initiative that they talk about. Um, and culture change needs to be a big part of our, of our deal. Um, it's okay to have tradition and all that stuff. And, um, but there's just, there's just, it's very hard to change the culture of the American fire service, the U S fire service. And, um, it is one of the, the top, top categories in the, uh, 16 life safety initiatives. Um, and when we talk about culture change, we're talking about aggressiveness, you know, um, you can be aggressive, but you can be, you know, like, like we, uh, read about, um, Mr. Hoff, you know, you can be aggressive, but calm and, and collected can help you get the job done just as, just as safe. Um, and then some of the other changes, of course. Nothing's changed really in the regards to line of duty deaths. We still have firefighters, typically 100 that pass away every year um, due to heart attack, vehicle accidents, and extraordinary unpredictable circumstances. So for all you company out officers out there that have to do a fire injury report, when in doubt, it's extraordinary unpredictable circumstances uh, when you're doing an injury report just because of the fact that um, – um, usually we're probably doing something we shouldn't have been done. So I like to chalk it up to extraordinary, unpredictable circumstances. So what we're talking about in that in the bigger, bigger scheme of things is that they talk, you know, you can't, can't prevent a firefighter getting struck by lightning. There's just some things you can't control, but when it comes to heart attack, vehicle accidents, situational awareness, uh, those things are preventable and our culture hasn't really, uh, improved to change or curve those numbers. Um, it just, it just continues to grow. And, and of course that's, uh, that's, uh, insane. We're doing the same things over and over and, um, we're not, we're having the same results. So if you have the time this week, take a moment, see if you can find backdraft, Watch it. Enjoy it. It's a great movie. I've never seen part two. I'm not a big fan of sequels. I just don't know how you can remake a movie like that. I Like I said, I was already a big fan of Kurt Russell. And uh, this movie is just a, a really, really awesome uh, movie that um, talks about all the different aspects. And and I don't know. I don't know if back then when they produced this movie that, that uh, this was just being portrayed of what, what – goes on you know i don't know if when they wrote the movie or produced the film if they really thought about how what they're talking about in the movie with staffing and political stuff and all that um it's everywhere i mean it's just um 
it's interesting looking back 30 years later that some things just don't change, you know, but I encourage everybody out there that, uh, has, has the ability to take people under their wing, like Mr. Hoff, uh, that firefighter from Chicago, um, to do it, do your best, you know, coming up the ranks. I remember talking about how I learned something from everybody. And sometimes I would learn good stuff and I'd keep that in my pocket. And sometimes I'd learn bad stuff and I would also keep that in my pocket. And so I encourage you, um, in, uh, remembrance of the movie backdraft 30 years later, I encourage you next time you're on duty to, uh, promote a culture change, to be aggressive but to play it smart and to remember that our number one job is to put ourselves out of business until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. Uh, Enjoy your Memorial day weekend, more episodes to come. We're going to start having some interviews. I've had a lot of uh, companies reach out to us and uh, talk about helping me grow my podcast. I appreciate everybody who's listened uh, consistently. And I hope that, uh, I hope that something we say inspires you to, uh, Become uh, everything that you've ever wanted to be when it comes to your profession, the fire service, first responder, and um, take care and uh, feel free to reach out to us with any questions you have at justifiablyproudproductions at gmail.com.